This is the I Love Success Podcast. I'm Peter Jurukowski, and I have made a vow to myself to help as many people as possible to achieve their dreams. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success Podcast. I'm really, really excited to be here today with you. This is a new friend of mine, an old friend of mine. We haven't met in four years. He was on the show episode 88, which was released in July of 2018. A lot of things have happened in your life. A lot of things has happened in my life. And if you're listening to this, I'm sure a lot of things have happened to your life. Before I introduce him, I just want to say thank you so much for being here with us. The reason I'm doing this is that I want to bring on some of the brightest minds in the world to share their journey, their story, to give you some ideas to improve your life. This is why we do it. Please, please, if you love this show, if you like the episode, share it with somebody. My big fat mission is to help at least 10 million people in 10 years to achieve their dreams. Uh, so thanks again for being here. And today I'm here with an Australian with a remarkable story. And again, if you want to hear his full story, because we're going to dig deeper onto what we talked about last time, go back to episode 80 of the I Love Success podcast. But I have Michael Crossland with me here today. He has a remarkable story and you're going to share it here shortly. You're a speaker right now. We are in Santa Barbara here at the Ritz-Carlton, just enjoying life a little bit and going to talk. So without further ado, Michael Crossland, welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. Thank you. It's great to be back. And hello, everybody. It's uh, it's fun to be here. I've been, uh, as many of you, I've been in lockdown for the last few years. And I would normally be in America at least once every couple of months presenting and speaking. And uh, obviously... It's been a little different for everybody, and I haven't been back to the States in three years. So to be back in beautiful Santa Barbara with you, mate, having a catch up, and I'm, I'm speaking in a couple of days at a global forum is, um, you know, is exciting, and thanks for having me back. Yeah, Michael, I, I just want to say I've had the opportunity to meet with a lot of great people that had remarkable stories. And I do remember when we met that day, we actually, <laughs> it was a mistake on the time. You thought it was Friday in Australia and I thought it was Friday in the US, but somehow we made it happen. And uh, we were there, we were sharing and you shared your remarkable journey uh, and it really stuck with me and I, I learned so much. So for people who have never met you before, can you just talk a little bit about you, your upbringing, your life, and then we'll dig uh, deeper into you know the mindset uh, of, of your sure. philosophy. Of course, uh, for those that don't know, I, I've been very lucky, especially over the last maybe five or seven years, I've traveled the world, I've spoken to troops in Iraq, fighting for our freedom, I've worked with uh, the likes of Richard Branson, the Dalai Lama, I was asked to tour with Tony Robbins uh, for his global tours. and. Uh, Really, for me, at the end of the day, I'm just an ordinary old Australian that's faced my fair share of adversities and now very, very privileged to share it with the world. I've represented my country and my sport. I've had you know, videos go viral. One of the videos now has had 88 million views of me sharing my life and my story. And, uh, but but it, hasn't been a, um, it hasn't been an easy one uh, by, by any stretch of the imagination. And I think for all of us, I'm sure we all are aware. And for me, definitely, it's... You know, we learn far more from darkness than we do from light. We learn far more from a loss than we ever do for a win. And for me, I realized that through great darkness, that is our discovery moment. We don't discover how unfair our life is, but rather 
we begin to discover how powerful we have been created. And my journey began in a very quick overview. I was diagnosed with a stage four neuroblastoma, cancer of the central nervous system. Um, when I was 11 months of age, I was a, uh, I was a trial drug baby, um, basically meaning that uh, I was on chemo for a few years, chemotherapy, and unfortunately that didn't work. The tumor built a resistance, it took over half my body. So they asked me, along with 24 other patients from around the world, whether we wanted to be a part of a trial drug. The drug was only gonna be used on terminally ill patients, and uh, we all needed to be a certain age, and I fell into that category. We had to sign a waiver, so regardless, I didn't, because I was only four, I couldn't <laughs> even hold a pen. Uh, but my wife had to sign a, uh, my wife, my uh, my my mum had to sign a waiver, jet lag, um, had to sign a waiver to uh, to ensure that we weren't going to sue anybody yeah. if uh, if the trial drug went bad. And boy, did it 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 go bad. Uh, within one day, we were all transferred from the oncology ward to the burns unit. Uh, the side effects of the drug burn us from head to toe. We were covered in blisters. What they would do is they would wrap us up in bandages and, and have us lie in baths full of ice trying to prevent our brains from frying. Um, unfortunately, long story short, um, within 90 days, 24 out of 25 of us died from that drug. I was the only survivor. Um, my mum, she, uh, she had to make a choice every day to inject a drug into a child that's killed everybody that's ever taken it. Uh, she burnt me for 18 months, hoping and praying that one day I was allowed to go home and. I say with great sincerity and, and something that I've learnt of recent times and that is it's, it's far easier lying in the bed than standing next to it. And uh, all I had to do is lie there and feel the pain but my mum, she had to make a choice to inject a drug that's killed every single person ever taken it. And I can only imagine um, the fear and the pain and the, and the heartache and the suffering that she must have experienced for such a long period of time but during those times, she taught me some really valuable lessons. And <clears throat> you know, one thing she taught me was it's not the adversity in your life that defines you, it's how you deal with it. And I know you and, and uh, everybody listening, we all, we all have a story. We all have some sort of pain and suffering. And you know, it's, it's not so much our pain and suffering that's so different, it's how we deal with it. Yeah. And I think that through optimism and resilience and an unwavering commitment and courage from my mum that didn't want to give up on a little boy, I'm... Um, I'm very blessed to still be here. And yes, there's been a lot of challenges along the way. You know, I had my first heart attack when I was 12. Uh, I was told that I would never be able to play sport. They told me I'd never go to school. I'd be a housebound baby. Uh, but lucky enough, I was uh, able to, to play baseball for my country. Um, I signed a scholarship to live in America and play baseball over here in Texas. <clears throat> Unfortunately, that uh, contract or scholarship came to a very abrupt end only six months in. I had another heart attack playing baseball in Arizona. Uh, flew back to Australia, did a TV show on Australian Stories, which was a lot of fun. Uh, then I had to get a real job. As you know, I got a job in banking. I climbed my way up into a, a corporate uh, senior executive role at the age of 23. I had 600 staff, had 120 banks around Australia and New Zealand. And uh, in 2010, 2009, my, my whole world changed it, it uh, I got very unwell I got bacterial meningitis I got fluid on the brain I had Bell's palsy down the right hand side of my body I had to learn to walk again and talk again and um, many people may have experienced but for me it was it was rock bottom you know it, it started in 2008 when my mum and dad separated and I invested all my mum's money um, in the share market 
and the GFC hit and I lost all of my mum's money. I had to put her in a trailer. And, you know, I, I felt as though I failed as a man and I failed as a son. And that was because of my ego and arrogance that was so driven by chasing this word success, chasing materialistic possessions that I thought defined people and allowed people to lead a certain type of life that that ruined me. And uh, it, it took me to hit rock bottom for me to get to get clarity and understanding what's truly important. And I'm sure many have heard of this, but the two greatest days in one's life is the day that we are born and the day that we discover why we are born. And for me, you know, I, I discovered my why in my darkest days. And I discovered that all I needed to do was understand and master two things. I needed to master what success was and I needed to master what giving was. And you know, success to me now is about getting out of bed every day and knowing in my heart that I can make a difference in somebody else's life. I think, can you imagine what humanity would be like if we all just had a dream and a goal to make the world a better place? It'd be amazing, it'd be a heaven on earth. And the second thing I needed to do is understand what this whole giving thing was. And I realize now that it should be, we must give without remembering and receive without forgetting. The greatest form of giving is anonymous to anonymous. And I wanted to have a dream and a goal to serve people. So I, I left the corporate world and, and I, uh, I, I wanted to make this world a better place. And I decided to go to Haiti. For those that don't know where that is, it's about an hour and a half south of Miami. Earthquake hit down there, killed 316,000 people. And uh, long story short, I over a four-year period, I built a, a school for 270 children and uh, now run an orphanage. I've got um, 44 kids that live in my orphanage. And I've written a couple of books that are now bestsellers in six different countries, and I donate all the profits to charity. Um, but as you know, my health has continued to face its fair share of challenges since then. Uh, in 2016, I was diagnosed with four tumors in my throat. I remember the doctor said to me, um, Michael, your tomorrows aren't guaranteed. And I remember without even blinking, just saying, that's one thing that we all have in common. Because no one's guaranteed tomorrow. I just, I just get the privilege of understanding that tomorrow might not be there for me, so I make sure I live today. And for me, that is, that's such an amazing blessing. You know, I, I had surgery, they removed three out of the four tumors and um, the fourth tumor is not in a great spot, but I'm still here and I'm still breathing. And, and as you know, we had, we had the, greatest, the greatest miracle and gift in my life. And uh, this is where it gets a little bit difficult. But um, in 2017, after we were told for 10 years we couldn't have a baby, um, my wife gave birth to a beautiful little boy named Lockie. And... Uh, that was in December of 2017. December 2017, he yeah. arrived 11 weeks premature. He was very unwell. He had sepsis, and um, they told us we had four days with him. And now he's four and a half years of age, and he's just a beautiful human. And my world will never be the same, um, knowing that I am in such a privileged position to experience what true love is. Yeah. You know. And then during lockdown in COVID. Uh, my immune system is quite low, so I was in lockdown for nine months in 2020. Wasn't allowed outside. We didn't go to the shops. We didn't go to the grocery store. Didn't do anything. And then somehow, um, somehow, my wife got pregnant. I, I don't know how that happened. COVID babies. <laughs> it's in, a lot uh, of COVID babies. Yeah. In January 2021, my wife gave birth to a beautiful little girl. Um, I don't know what it is in pounds, but she's 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 
healthy baby, like nine pound or eight pound or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's uh, she rocks my world, and and now all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm back traveling the world again, and and uh, you know, in 2019, I was on 187 flights. I spoke in 22 countries, and uh, 2020 and 21 combined, I was on four flights. Yeah. And they were just to see the doctors. And now 2022 has exploded again, so I'm I'm back traveling the world again. And um, as you know, I've got a I've got a pretty healthy challenge coming up in four weeks' time. Unfortunately, they found six more tumors on Monday three weeks ago, so I'm on a global tour right now, and I finish up on the 14th of November, and I have a very big operation on the 15th of November. The surgeon said, "When are you finished?" And I said, "I'm I'm finished on the 14th," and he said, "All right." Let's yeah. get after it on the 15th. So um, that's uh, that's me in a nutshell. That's 38 years in a nutshell. Wow. We're, first of all, we're sending good vibes for a quick recovery from me and the whole I Love Success community. And uh, for people that want to go deeper on your story, go back to episode 80. I just I had a run this morning and I listened to it again. And it's just a remarkable episode where you go deep and actually share a little bit deeper and this is an extension of, of this uh, first episode yeah so let's talk about adversity and how do you teach somebody to deal with adversity in a good way and how do you deal with adversity in a good way first of all I think when I was in the corporate scene it was very much about the three P's it was about power privileges and possessions now when it comes to mindset resilience and working through darkness yeah. it's the other three p's and that's patience persistence and perspective yeah. i think that you know if we can have perspective in all the challenges that we face and if we can just think to ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis regardless of the challenges that we're facing it could be so much worse yeah. i think that's when we have the ability to just shift the mindset just ever so slightly which then all of a sudden allows us to start identifying the good in our life you know i I have a gratitude text with my clients. I do a lot of executive coaching now and I um, have this gratitude text. Every morning we send together three, three things that we're truly grateful for. Yeah. And what happens you know, from a scientific point of view, as you would be aware, is all of a sudden our subconscious mind starts to search throughout the day the things that we are grateful for. So even when we're in darkness, even when we're facing adversity and challenges, our brain is just trying to identify what it is that we enjoy and it's almost like if you buy a new car yeah. I bought my wife her dream car in 2018 it was it was a cool day it, it made me feel incredible but like the day after we bought the car we acknowledged that our neighbor had the exact same car <laughs> prior to that we didn't even notice yeah. you know and it's like you drive down the street and your car is everywhere yeah, it's really. parked everywhere and, <laughs> and that's the same with gratitude you know all yeah. of a sudden you start to focus on things that you're grateful for and your mind starts to pick up things. And I also think that one underestimated technique to assist when it comes to our ability to deal with adversity is the, our language. Yeah. You know, I think that if we change our language, we change our mindset. When we change our mindset, we change our life. And I'm very mindful. Like if someone says, how are you going today? If I'm stressed, if I'm challenged, if I'm in pain, if I'm in darkness, my response is always, it's been a character building day. Mm. Like it is about laying the foundation to give me strength and the ability to cope effectively and i think the words that i use like someone says um hey hey do you want to you want to do a podcast yeah. it's so easy for me to respond with why not yeah. 
why not is two negative words why not <laughs> so my response is absolutely let's yeah. let's get after it and even we get down so micro to when i talk to my kids when i'm away yeah. you know my heart tells me that i miss them yeah. but if i use that language that 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 when i use the word missed that's that's causes pain but when I use the word excitement, that causes joy. So I simply say, you know, I'm excited to see you next week, yeah. as opposed to I miss you so much. So it's just amazing when we shift our language just ever so slightly, it's remarkable. And it's not even so much the intention of the language we use, yeah. but it's how it lands with how much can have such a, you know, how are you? Not bad. What's the last <laughs> word you said? Bad. <laughs> You know, when you use a negative word, it registers 40 times more effectively than positive words. So shift your language and, and you can start to deal with adversity a lot more effectively. I like that. And I, I want to move into, you said master success. And that's that's something that I'm trying to do, redefine success. I'm, I'm so passionate about that subject because I think what media and mainstream are, are projecting as success might not be what success looks like for many people yeah. and I think it's all individual so I'm curious um, a lot of people use anger as a fuel to to be successful and when I say successful I mean perform because mm -hmm. in my mind being successful and performing are two different things because you can be you can be performing and be miserable and you know yeah. this working with a lot of executives yeah but can we first of all can we talk about an using anger as a fuel and your opinion on that and then your definition of success yeah I, I it's funny you say anger because I think there's a lot of people in the world that work hard and use their anger as the motivation to succeed by proving other people wrong yeah and I think that go ahead work your backside off and prove other people wrong and when you get to proving other people wrong you're still gonna be empty and I think, you know, in 2000 and whatever it was, when the doctors said, you'll never play sport. Yeah. I, I could work really hard to prove them wrong, yeah. or I could work really hard to prove myself right. And I think there is a huge transformational difference yeah. in the trajectory that our life takes when we are striving hard to yeah. prove yourself right versus proving other people wrong. And I think that when you work with anger, you're not coming from a place of humility and grace. Yeah. And I think that when you can succeed with humility and grace, you know, you use anger as a fuel if need be to be able to get to a point of humility and grace. Yeah. But don't allow anger to be your only source of fuel to get there. You know, I, it's funny, you know, my, my father, he, uh, he taught me some valuable lessons on what not to do as a man, <laughs> what not to do as a father. And I could use that anger as the motivation to say, you know, I'm gonna prove you wrong or I'm not gonna do what you do. Uh, you know, I, I felt safe when I was in hospital. I felt safe when I was away. But, you know, I, I really wanna use, you know, I, I guess in a nutshell to wrap that up, that question is often we admire the traits in others that we wanna implement in our lives to be the best versions of ourselves. I think it's important that we acknowledge the traits in others that we do not admire to ensure that we do not follow those footsteps so we can lead a better life. You know, I, I worked at a juvenile detention center um, speaking a little while back in, uh, I think it was 2018 in Texas. And 
there was about 200 kids and they were all in there on molestation charges. They were aged between 11 and 15. And they were telling me out of the 200 that were there that I was speaking to, 190 odd of them had been molested. And it was almost like they were using the justification of their past pain as reasoning behind their current actions. And I think, you know, if you can use the past pain as the fuel to create positive change, you know, I've made a generational change in my family. And my kids are never gonna feel the same pain I felt. My wife's never gonna feel the same pain as my mum felt. And uh, I assure you financially, we're, we're going to be in a position that I never got to experience as a child, but I will make sure that I lead them down the path that they value everything. They value the little things so that they don't take for granted the big things. I love that, and hey, can we just soak this in right here? How beautiful is this? See, it's just what you said, yeah. just for a second. You could sit here and go, this is amazing. Or people sitting at home could go, geez, that plane that flew over that was probably picked up by these beautiful microphones. Yeah. How annoying. <laughs> you know, like it's just amazing how your brain works. It is spectacular. Life is, life is what you make of it. And it's crazy, Michael. You know, I've had, um, and for people who have dreams and goals, not everything is going to align exactly as you plan, but it's going to be beautiful. And I actually have on my vision board me sitting, overlooking, doing a podcast like this. And I, I could never imagine it would be here in Santa Barbara with you, but the universe will conspire if you put it out there and yeah. do the work. And, th and that's how crazy things are. Mm. Uh, let's, let's go a little bit deeper into the definition of success. So mm. what, what does success look like for you? It's a great question because it continually changes. Yeah. You know, I, I chased materialistic possessions for such a long time. And it was all about the fancy house and the fancy clothes and the fancy watches and the fancy cars. And, and I was so driven by that that it took me so far away from what I feel success is. And that's, you know, getting out of bed and making a difference in somebody else's life. But it's also about living life on your terms. Yeah. You know, I, I feel as though I haven't worked in 10 years. I'm 38 and I feel like I haven't worked in a decade because I'm doing something that I absolutely love. And it is such a privilege for me to be able to do this sort of stuff and then go and speak in front of 20,000 people. It's, it's a gift, it's, a, you know, it's an absolute privilege and a blessing. But then now I'm coming to terms with, it's okay to have all those things. It's not okay to do what you do just to obtain those sort of things. And also, you know, I, I I, I just bought my dream car and for the first three months I parked it about three blocks back from the cafes and the restaurants yeah. because I didn't want people to see what car I drove because I didn't want them to think oh look at that guy ego driven yeah. you know um, midlife crisis whatever it is that people want to want to put on you or label you and I I've probably discovered this of very recent times is when the weight of the words others say about you no longer impact you, that's when I think you're successful. Yeah. Because now I don't care what people think of me. I don't care what people think of my car, my house, or my lifestyle. I, I'm humble, I'm grateful, I'm confident with the mission that I have on this earth, 
I love my wife more than any person on the planet. I love my kids more than the air that I take into my lungs every day. And I feel like I'm a blessed man because of the life that I now live. And it's not allowing other people's opinions to dictate my worth. I think that's, that's what success is. You know, your value should not be dictated by other people's opinions and your value shouldn't decrease based on other people's opinions. That, that video of mine's had 88 million views. It's had hundreds of thousands of comments. And one day I got bored and I started reading the comments yeah. and I realized that not everybody liked me. Yeah. And it impacted me back in those days. But now I realize that you should not take criticism or advice or criticism. Yeah, you should not take criticism from those you wouldn't take advice from. Yeah. And I'm not taking advice from keyboard warriors in a little black dungeon in a dark cave somewhere that don't know me, I know me and my wife knows me and my kids know me. And as long as they love me, as long as they value me and just as important as long as I love me and value me, I think that's to me what success is. I love that. Um, I had Tom Billy on the show and I think he had a very similar definition that I, I also love is success is how you like yourself when you're with yourself. Yeah. Uh, but how do we get there to that moment when you're, where you're saying, I don't care what other people think about me because I already know my worth and because I think that's a really big challenge because what I've seen almost having 300 guests on my show that are super successful in if we talk performance a lot of them have pivoted and learned how to be happy as well but we do a lot of crazy shit just to be loved by others yeah yeah, it's a it's a great question, and if I had the uh, the golden button, <laughs> how did you do? You know, it seems like you're in a good place now, and you've faced these challenge mm. several times. Yeah, I, I think you know social media is something that destroys people's souls if they don't manage it effectively. Yeah, you know, if you read up on every person's comment, if you get tight, there's a video. I'll share a quick example. Yeah. There's a video of me towing my son on a boogie board just along the water's edge. And I'm down at the water and my nephew's there. And I'm running flat out towing him. And my nephew walks out in front of me and I say, watch out. So he gets out of the road and I run past him. Anyway, that video, I don't know why, went viral. It's had 47 million <laughs> views of me towing my son. And there's a comment thread in there. And one of the comments says, um, what did he just say to that kid? And then someone else said, I think he told the kid to get out. And then someone else wrote, who does he think he is? And then someone else wrote, does he think he owns the beach? And then someone else said, if I was there, I'd knock him out. And it just went on and on. And I'm towing my son along the beach oh my with God. my nephew. And I told him to watch out so I didn't run him over. And now there's people that want to bash me and want to get me out of the ocean because they think that I think that I own the beach. And when you get to a point where you find humor in other people's lack of knowledge about you, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think that it's about lying in bed of a nighttime and knowing who you are as a human being, yeah. not what other people perceive you as. And I also think that, you know- It's hard though, it gets you yeah, sometimes. Yeah, chemi right? chemical imbalance is something that I've had to really focus on especially of recent times, you know, you know, there's the four quadrants of chemicals and there's dopamine and serotonin, oxytocin, but that serotonin and dopamine are two things that chemically mess your head up if you don't get the balance right. Mm. Um, 
You know, serotonin is a chemical that gets released when you socialize. Yeah. Makes you feel good. And uh, I went from speaking in front of 20,000 people, signing autographs, getting in photos, to lockdown nine months, no one cared, no one wanted me, no one was interested in me. I lost my value. I, lo I questioned my self-worth. Yeah. And now I'm back. I still can't hug people. Yeah. I, I'm not handshaking people. You know, I, ha I shook your hand this morning yeah. and then put hand sanitizer on it. It's funny you know? because, you know, it's funny how it changes people. And I've, I've done it too because I listened to the podcast this morning. And in that podcast, you share that I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. That's but, right. But it, we can change, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I, I, I worked out that my value was decreasing based on my inability to get s serotonin hits. Yeah. And then I discovered that you, you get serotonin when you help people not just when you hug people. So I'm like, all right, so that was my mission. Yeah. I, I needed to discover how I can help people from home, yeah. how I can make an impact in other people's lives. And how long were you in that mode? Like, I think a lot of people were stuck, especially yeah. people that were used to meeting others and you know, doing speeches and all businesses. How long were you in that moment of like, shit, what do I do now? And then starting to you know, pivot. More so before we go into the whole pivot, it was more about how long was I in that dark place. Yeah. Because I think that's really important for everybody, right? Yeah. We need to give ourselves permission to feel bad. Yeah. We need to give ourselves permission to have a dark day. Yeah. We can't give ourselves permission to have a dark week or a dark month or a dark year. Yeah. You know, it's not so much how often you feel bad, it's how long you choose to stay there. And I reckon I was in that place for too long, like a month or two. And it was affecting my relationship with my wife. It was affecting my relationship with my son. And we didn't have our daughter yet. Um, and, you know, I, I think that when you start to acknowledge where you are yeah. and acknowledge that you don't want to spend your life there, I think that's the first step. Yeah. You know, I, I put my hand up and I needed some help. Yeah. And for me, um, you know, the stereotype male that yeah. thinks that I don't need to talk to anybody, I don't need help. Yeah. Um, that's for what weak people do. I realize it's not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. Yeah. It's a sign of strength for you to put your hand up and say, I need some help. Yeah, it is. I wanna get some help so I can be a better human being, so I can be a great dad, I can be a great husband, I can be a great friend, a neighbor, whatever it is. So for me, that was a real telltale sign. And then secondly, what was incredible for me is, you know, my, my agent, he said to me, and I quote, you are not famous enough to get work during COVID. Mm. You, know, you don't have millions and millions of followers. That hits hard. You're not a gold medalist at an Olympic level. You won't get any work. And in 2020, I started to throw some stuff online. I started to do the little podcasts and do this and that. And my 2020, January to December, was the greatest financial year of my career. And it wasn't because I was traveling around the world. It was because I just wanted to serve as many people as I could. I came up with strategies. I came up with programs. I, I did a heap of audio books. And then I packaged that up so that when people listened to me online, they got free audio. It was just, it, it just, it shifts. And you know, you must adapt, evolve, and embrace change. And when you adapt, evolve, and embrace change, your whole world can, can change. And now, you know, Companies ring me and say, hey, can you do this gig? Yep, this is my fee. No, we can't afford it. Can we do a hybrid event? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So now I just walk into my studio at home yeah. and shoot down a barrel and talk to people. It's just... It's incredible know, how it, it's opened doors. Yeah, it has. 
it closed a lot of doors at the beginning and yeah. and uh, i think with the right mindset it, it can open a lot too how did you deal with the whole situation where i think covid was horrible but i think one of the things that it really did it put if, if scare uh, how do you say it? Fear. fear fear in our mind and i know especially i mean i'm super anal about washing hands and all that stuff and I, it's gotten even worse with covid but for somebody who has you know a low immune system how did that affect you mentally uh, and how have you been able to how are you working with that it crippled me that's the best way i can answer it yeah. i was scared i was scared to go outside I've only got one lung. My heart's had a few hiccups, as you know, yeah. and my immune system's very low. So I was, I was seriously scared. Yeah. You know, our food would get delivered. We would spray it with this stuff in Australia called Glen 20, yeah. which kills bacteria and germs. And then we'd leave it in the garage for two hours. Then we'd go out and hose it off. Then we'd dry it with a mask and gloves on, and then we'd bring it inside. Wow. And I didn't see my mum, I didn't see my neighbours, I didn't see my mates. Uh, I became an, an introvert from a massive extrovert. I needed to be around people, I loved being around people to this hermit that didn't want to see anybody, that didn't want to talk to anybody, that didn't want to socialise with anybody. And I'm still, I'm still struggling, you know, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I, uh, and, and I know that it's impacting my family. It's massively impacts my kids. You know, my kids go to the park and I've got a mask on and they go from the swing to the slippery slide and I want to run over and clean their hands. Yeah. And my son went from not well, seeing the world to being locked down for a year and a half and now he goes out and he's scared to play with other kids. Yeah. So it has been, uh, it's, it's been tricky. You know, I, I, the first half of this year I was traveling and, and I wouldn't turn the TV on in the, in the hotel rooms because I didn't want to touch the remote. Yeah. You know, it, it's been, it's probably been the hardest of any of the challenges because it's in my control and I've been out of control. Yeah. Whereas tumors and operation, that's out of my control. Yeah. It's not on me. You know, I have faith in God and he'll, he'll, you know, he'll take care of me and when my time's up, it's up, but I, I get to have faith in surgeons. But when it comes to overcoming fear, that's that's on me, yeah. and I need to cope with that, and I need to deal with that effectively. So it's it's been a it's been a wild ride, but it's also I see progress, and you know I I know that when I come out the other side of it, it's going to be a great lesson learnt. Yeah. And sometimes we do things that make us feel uncomfortable to help others, and right now it, that's exactly the the point that I'm in. I I need to do this for my kids. I need to do this for my wife. I need to step outside my comfort zone and do things that make me feel uncomfortable because as you know, if we can get comfortable in being uncomfortable, that's when we grow the most. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm on a trajectory of growth right now, even flying over here. Yeah. You know, it took me 26 hours to get here. It's that's a long, long travel, a uh, long flight. And, uh, and I'm in a little cigar that's stuck with lots of people coughing and sneezing and no longer need to wear masks yeah. so it was uh it that was, was hard for me it was character building oh right that's was, character, character building, building. that's how you, you say it it's <laughs> definitely character building so i'm still uh, i'm still i'm still working through that process but i'm i'm getting stronger every day 
and I think it's good that we talk about this and also give our it's it's good to give to to give the audience an understanding that we're all human this mm. I went to a lecture yesterday and I shook a friend's hand and then immediately I started thinking shit I gotta clean my hands mm -hmm. but I just went to the restroom so I didn't want it to look awkward but I still like I gotta go yeah. so I went and washed my hands and all of that and it's weird, but it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby steps. Baby steps. So let's talk about master giving because I think that's something that's important in this mm -hmm. world. And the more we can all give, and I love what you said, give anonymously, anonymous to anonymous, that's pretty cool as well. Mm. Can we just talk about master giving and, and, and how, do, how do we as people and humans give more without expectation? Stop focusing on return on investment. Everybody gives expecting something in return. Everybody gives wanting a pat on the back, a high five, a thank you. Yeah. When we can step outside that comfort zone of wanting something back for our giving, which is a real challenge. You know, I, I, I pay for people's fuel. And I used to pay for people's fuel and then I would wait for you to get, well, in Australia, you have to go in. We, we trust people in Australia. You don't have to pay before you put it in. Yeah. So it's kind of weird here. You stand there and you put it in the car and you wait, you wait, you wait, you wait to the guy and you wait and wait, nothing comes out. Oh, you gotta go in and pay and then come out and then you pay for 50 bucks yeah. and the car only takes $43. Yeah. So now you got seven bucks left and you gotta go back in, sort it out. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, you just put it in and go in and pay. Like and Sweden, yeah. Yeah. So. So I would wait for you to go in and pay, and then you'd go in, you'd go to pay, and then you'd look at me, because the person behind the counter would say, that guy over there paid, yeah. and you'd say to me, thank you, and I'd say, no worries, and then I'd drive off. Yeah. And then I realized the only reason why I was paying for your fuel is to be thanked. The only reason why I was paying for your fuel is because I wanted you to appreciate me. Mm. And that's not why we should give. Now I pay for people's fuel and drive off, and you know it makes me feel like a little kid again, like this little, <laughs> you know, joy thing. And then what's funny is there are two types of people in the world, right? There are pessimists and optimists. There are negative people and positive people. There are victims and navigators. And the victims, they always think, but what if you go in to pay for the fuel and the person behind the counter just puts it in his pocket? Well, the person behind the counter needed it. What if you go in to pay for it and you don't have to pay for it, so then you go to the casino and stick it in the poker machines? or the slot machines, or I hope you win. Yeah. I did it because it makes me feel good knowing that I've served somebody else. Yesterday I paid for my coffee, or not coffee, I, I don't drink coffee, I had a, a cup of tea, yeah. and uh, then I said, when the next person comes in, let me pay for the food, and uh, but don't tell them that it was me. Yeah. And so I sat there and I was drinking my cup of tea, and this lady came in and she got a tea and she went to pay, and they said, no, no, somebody else paid for you. And he's like, who? And then they pointed to me. And so she came over and said, thank you and blah, blah, blah. And then I went up to the lady and I said, please don't do that again. I don't want to be thanked. Yeah. She's like, but everybody wants to be thanked. I was like, no, some people want to be thanked. Yeah. Other people just want to give. And I think you've got to challenge yourself. You've got to do it continuously. Yeah. You know, push a trolley back, a cart back at the shopping center. You know, give somebody your parking space. You know, I, when I go and wash my car at the car wash, uh, you, in Australia, you've got to put coins in the machine. I just put a heap of coins there. I just leave a couple of coins and then drive off. The next person drives in and they go to get their money and they're like, oh, someone's left some coin. Like yeah. it cost me two bucks, yeah. but it made them feel awesome. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just this mental shift in just focusing on impact. And I think that transition as well 
uh, for success as well for me because I chased income for a long time. Yeah. And now I just chase impact and the income comes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a great cycle. It is. Uh, so I think why a lot of people don't do this because they believe in scarcity versus abundance. So can we just talk about that? And, and I got to be honest, sometimes I get to that stage in my own life. I, I, I start being fearful and scarce and then I understand. Then I have to take a step back. No, the world is abundant. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk a little bit about that and how do you shift that mindset if you are fearful that it's not enough? I guarantee you people are listening. Some people say, oh yeah, it's easy for you to say because you got money. Yeah. Or when I'm wealthy, I'll do that. But it, it comes way before you start to earn money. Yeah. It's, as you said, it's a, it's a mindset thing. You need to put it out to the universe. You need to declare it. You need to have a vision board. You need to have a goals book. You need to put out what you're going to achieve and experience and feel and shift that. I, I, I grew up in a very scarcity mindset driven life. My family never had money. We never had fancy cars. We never had fancy clothes. We never ate out ever at a restaurant ever. And so now it's like, trying to reshape the brain in feeling this emotion of, uh, of, of, of the opposite to scarcity, making sure that we have the ability to be um, in this outlook uh, and this vision of abundance. And, and an abundant mindset is not about spending lots of money. An abundance mindset is not about going to Versace as opposed to going to Ross's. You know, I'm going to Ross's this afternoon. I can't wait to go down there. I'm going to get my kids a whole heap of clothes because yeah. it's cheap. But it, it's just about really retraining the brain to have an, a mindset of, of being able to appreciate this, of being able to lay under a tree, being able to meditate, being able to breathe, being able to express your love. I think that is, that is such a different way of looking and thinking about life. I like that. Uh, I was thinking about um, one thing in regards to, you know, the whole scarcity and abundance. What happens when you when you get to that stage that when you are are fearful, you know, you, no, I can't do this. It, it's not going to work for me. It, it, it works for you guys. It works for everybody else. But this doesn't work for me. Like, how do you get into the belief again? Mm. That's good. I think that um, you gotta have the courage. You gotta have the courage to believe that it can happen. You've gotta have the courage to believe in yourself. You've gotta take a step back and understand your worth and your value. You know, I love that. It's a bit rude, um, but I'm sure people don't mind. Like when your mom and dad connected yeah. and made you, yeah. you were one of like millions and millions and millions of little swimmers that finally got there. You know, so you are so unique. You are so remarkable. You are so perfect. You're imperfectly perfect. And I think that when you start to realize like this, you are t at such a tiny little speck on this massive universe, but you get to experience some remarkable things. And, you know, I don't know whether you've heard of the importance and value of acknowledging coincidences. No. You know, I, for me, that has been something that's changed my life. I acknowledge the coincidences of every situation that occur in my life. Quick story, because um, I'm, I'm mindful yeah. of time. But there, 
in 2017, I had had a massive year of speaking. I was exhausted. I got asked to do this charity event and I was like, yeah, I've done so many events this year. I, I need a rest. I'm done. I'm finished. And they said, they just kept emailing me and annoying me until eventually I was like, all right, you win. I'll do the event. So we did the event. We raised a whole heap of money for this charity that I'd never heard of. And it was called the Miracle Babies Foundation. And, uh, you know, I, I, I went home and never thought about it again. Four days later, my wife went into labor um, and it was touch and go, as you know. Um, episode 80 or whatever it is will we'll tell you the whole story, but it, it broke my heart. And uh, we, went, we went to Sydney uh, Hospital. We were airlifted by an air ambulance and uh, we got to Sydney. And that, that morning of our son's birth, they took us into ICU. And they took me in and I was like, mate, I've spent most of my life in hospital. I know what hospitals are about. They're like, eh, maybe you need to come in here anyway. So we went in and he took us through the three levels. ICU one, two, and three. ICU one, I walked in, nearly fell off, nearly fell over. It was heartbreaking. These kids were tiny. And he says, oh, this is all the healthy kids. They're all the ones about to go home. Then they went into ICU level two. They were all in glass boxes, plastic bags, cords up their nose, blue lights on them. And I was like, oh my God, this is horrific. And he says, yeah, well, these are the kids that are getting better. And then we went to ICU level three. They were in plastic bags. Some of them had no skin. You know, people were operating on them. It, it broke me. And I remember the words, you never want your child in here. Because lots of these kids, lots of these kids will, ugh, okay. lots of these kids will never get to go home. And I was like, oh my God. And then that afternoon, my wife gave birth and they stuck him in a plastic bag, they put him in a glass container, they wheeled him. I was, I was there walking next to this little cot, my wife was still in, in theater, and they walked him through ICU level one, level two, and into level three, and they put him in this little booth. And I remember just falling on the ground, just crying and praying, and I was in so much pain and fear. And this lady put a hand on my shoulder and she said, Michael, my name is Barbara, I'm the CEO of the Miracle Babies Foundation everything's going to be okay within a week less than a week of serving a charity that i'd never heard of i was reaping the comfort and the love of this lady who i'd never met before that is obviously of a very deep scale and a very deep level of acknowledging coincidences but this stuff happens all the time you get cut off when you're going to the do your groceries and then you slow down and you miss the lights. So you get angry because you miss the lights. So you're waiting there and the guy that cut you off, you wanna flip off, but you don't do that because they're bigger than you. Well, they're bigger than me anyway. So you let them go. You get to the grocery store and all of a sudden a car just pulls out right out the front and you pull straight in. You got the best park in the parking bay. All because you got cut off. Acknowledge that, go, man, I wouldn't have been able to get that park. I would have driven, I would have been 10 seconds earlier, which means I would have driven past that park and I would have seen that car in my rear view mirror reversing out. I'd be like, ah, I missed it. Like it's those situations that occur every day that fill us with this deep-seated confidence knowing that we're on the right path. And when we begin to understand that we're on the right path, we're on the right trajectory, all of a sudden that belief system comes back and we have the ability to overcome the doubt the fear and the uncertainty of allowing our dreams to become a reality. And I think that overcoming that fear and acknowledging those coincidences that occur every day make you feel as though you are certainly on the right path. I love that.
open your eyes, be kind. And as my yoga teacher used to say, put your head in your heart. Mm. I know you got to leave. Do you have time for two more questions? Of course. Then, then, we'll, then we'll be get you out, out of here. We had a little <laughs> problem with the we had some technical uh, difficulties this morning, which has not happened to me in 290 episodes. But Perfect it's, acknowledging yeah. coincidences very quickly. <laughs> when we set up, yeah. the sun was right in my face. Yeah. If we'd have recorded straight away, that would have been really annoying for me. Yeah. Now, because we waited, <laughs> however long it took you, it's behind that beam up there, which is now not in my face. So it's much more enjoyable, right? That's Just awesome. that's how yeah. I think. My brain thinks straight away. I love that. Look for look for miracles, right? Yeah. Look for the opportunity. And if you don't have faith, yeah. look for the coincidences. Yeah. You know, the universe is created perfectly for you. Just find why. I love that. Uh, two more questions. So one is on. Do you ever feel like uh, an imposter when you live, when you sometimes when you're like experience amazing things, uh, do you ever doubt yourself and, and feel like I'm not worthy of this? I know a lot of people do. I do it myself. I try not to. So I'm just curious, how do you cope with that? And how, what advice would you have to others who sometimes, you know, starting to get traction and then they kind of ruin it for themselves? Mm. I definitely feel that way for sure. You know, we, we build our dream home. And some days I pull into the driveway and I think, how, how did I create this? How did we create this? Yeah. Well, the universe created it for me. Yeah. I just put it out to the universe and it, and it happened. And uh, I think that if we start to get traction, extend our goals, stretch, have greater goals, and they don't need to be materialistically wealthy goals. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. Their goals are so driven by, I want to have the house in Beverly Hills. I want to have the view over the... No. I want to take eight weeks off a year. I want to be able to... You know, my kids, they've never seen me on my phone. My son's five. He ne he'll never see me play on social media. He'll never see me send an email or a text message. Because he's the most important person in my world, along with my daughter and my wife. You know, I remember seeing that photo of a man holding his phone and a little boy was looking up at him and the caption was, I wish I was my daddy's phone, I'd finally get some attention. You know, that's, that's real. That, that stuff needs to it's be your real. goals. Yeah. Because then you know you're a great human being. And when you realize that you're a great human being, you never question your success. I like that. And one, one thing you said in the last episode is was a lot of people make to-do lists. And I know you're, you're a big fan of making to stop, to stop lists. So maybe we can share that. Yeah, I think that our brain gets so wide and I've got this to do and that to do and this to do and our list forever gets longer and longer and longer. You know, uh, once a week I do a to stop list. What can I cut out? Yeah. What, what, what is not serving me? Yeah. And what's going to allow me to delete a little bit off my hard drive yeah. so that I've got more space to create more freedom and abundance? Yeah. And uh, final question for people that are with us now, uh, girls and ladies and gentlemen we're grateful that you're here and almost an hour in that's a lot to ask for in this generation right yeah. but i i know and i believe in long form content because we want to peel away the layers and people will listen and watch things that are interesting and so i'm grateful for all of you that are here what is the first step people can do to take action to improve their life right after watching this Start writing down every single day. I'll, I'll give you a couple of things. Start writing down every single day the three things you're grateful for. Make sure you do it right before bed yeah. so that uh, it allows you to sleep. Have digital detox days at least once a week. 
Give yourself and your brain and your heart permission to be free. It's amazing over here. My, I don't know why, but my phone doesn't work over here. And uh, when I'm connected to Wi-Fi, it works. And I gotta tell you, man, like, it, there's it. I, I don't take it to the beach. You know, I don't, I, don't t- I leave it in my hotel room. And there's just this element of freedom. We are so addicted to this thing that makes us feel important. Feel important because of the impact you're making, not because of the followers you may have. And I think finally, you know, when you have this unwavering desire to impact other people, you know, there there is such an element of peace in your soul. And it ha- like I I am addicted to serving. It's an addiction. Now I'm allowed out and about. Every opportunity I have, even if it's paying somebody a compliment. You know, I noticed yesterday a lady. She had a tattoo on her wrist at this cafe I went to. And it says, you were born to be brave. And I had to ask, what's that, what's that all about? And she said, oh, my, my upbringing has been one of great challenges. And it wasn't busy, so I delved into it. Yeah. And she told me that she'd lost her mom and she was only 14 at the time and issues with her dad and you know suicidal thought, all these sort of things. And that was my opportunity to, to share with her that through great darkness, that's when we discover how powerful we are. We learn far more from pain than we do from joy and and glory. And to be able to just take that time to connect with her. We all have that ability. We've just got to take time to be present. You know, that great saying that I love to share is, your head needs to be where your body's at. We are so often regretful of what happened yesterday. We're so fearful of what might happen tomorrow. We forget to focus on what is right now. So be present, show up. You know, live now in the present. Stop worrying about what the rest of the world is doing and start focusing on what you're doing. I love that. Michael, this has been an amazing and incredible time for me. Thank you for the bottom of my heart for doing this. It's uh, remarkable and I'm so grateful to be able to sit here and speak with you and sharing that with the world. If people want to work with you, connect with you, reach out to you, where's the best place? I'm on everything, so just uh, type my name in social media, but don't get sucked into like watching everything on my page. Just connect with me if you wish, but you know, I, I, I would prefer rather than you connect with me, um, connect with the ones that you love. You know, send a text message to someone that you care about and say, hey, I love you, I care about you. Thanks for being a great friend. I guarantee you they'll write back two words and a question mark. They'll write back what's wrong because <laughs> we don't take the time to tell people what they mean to us. So. Be present, take the time to share with those that you love and um, how much they mean to you. And uh, yeah, if you wanna follow me on anything, I'm on everything. Thanks guys, appreciate you, man. Awesome, and thank you so much for being here with us. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, share it with somebody that needs to hear this message and give us a review. We wanna grow, we wanna help as many people as possible and we can't do it without you. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.